Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. All right, we have a special interview for you today. Uh, We are sitting down with Justin Young, who is the director of the documentary, My Hero, The Hitman. Welcome to Bitch Talk, Justin. Thank you for having me. Very excited to talk with you guys. Yeah, same. Can you let our audience know what this documentary is about? Yeah, so many people may remember the Nancy Kerrigan attack in 1994, um, in which uh, prior to the figure skating championships, a figure skater was attacked as she was getting off the ice, uh, preventing her from competing, ultimately uh, hoping that it would uh, benefit another skater. And uh, so this story, I mean, it's not focused on the attack, but it is peripherally sort of an important part of it. And this story is really the story of the hitman's sister. Um, The hitman is Shane Stant. And um, even growing up in Hawaii, I had no idea that he was half Hawaiian uh, as much as I had known about this story. Um, But I met his younger sister, who's 20 years younger. And she was just telling me about her life and her family and how much she loves her brother and how he has been her protector from their abusive father. And how like every good quality she sees in herself, she attributes to something that her brother taught her. And then she threw out that, oh, by the way, he's the guy that attacked Nancy Kerrigan. And I was like, (laughs) what? What? I I must have misheard you. Uh, Say that again. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought it was a fascinating story because, you know, most people, if you know anything about Shane Stant, you know that you think of him as this thug and hitman, but to at least one person in the world, he was a hero. Yeah, I was going to say, Justin, we're all around um, the same age. And I just wanted to know, did you remember this story? And um, and also, I know you said that you met the sister, but how did that actually come together? And then how did it become the film? Yeah, no, I do remember the story. I mean, those of us that were like old enough to be aware of how big it was, I think, in the, I think Oprah called it like the biggest story of the 90s or something like that mm. at the time, you know, because the Olympic is a worldwide phenomenon and it's just such a strange incident to have a figure skater implicated in attacking another figure skater. Um, so, yes, I knew how big it was at the time. And since then, I mean, I'd always had a fascination with the story, like many of us. And um, so it was really weird to uh, basically. Um, her and her, she she's half Hawaiian too and she was living in Hawaii although she's from California and I was back playing a show because I'm a musician and mm-hmm. we had mutual friends so that's kind of how we met and I had uh, um, just finished a summer program um, at the New York Film Academy for documentary filmmaking when I met her and I was just kind of open to whatever projects might pop up that organically kind of came came my way and when she told me her story I just, I mean, I know Shane hasn't, hadn't done press in like 10 years or 20 years or something. And he, so I was like, you know, if, if you guys ever want to tell this story, like, I think it, it's really fascinating and I think it could be really powerful. Um, and it was like maybe a year later that she reached back out. I mean, we had kept in touch, but she reached back out and said, Hey, I talked to my brother and, um, you know, he trusts me and I trust you. Hmm. And so we want to do it. 
and it all kind of started from there. So it wasn't like I had an obsession about this event and then was seeking out to tell the story. It really just kind of came to me in a, in a really natural way. And that's the best way, sort of the universe, like kind of handing it to you with the perfect timing. Um, yeah, definitely, like Aaron said, was obsessed with this story. This documentary really is the story behind the story that I never knew I wanted to hear. And I love how how beautifully you tell it. Um, and I'm curious to know if you've heard anything from Nancy Kerrigan or her people or any reactions from Tanya, because I, Tanya came out. So we heard, mm -hmm. you know, we learned a little more about the story from that film. Mm -hmm. But um, has anybody come out and said anything to you behind the scenes? We reached out to Nancy Kerrigan and um, I talked to her manager via email a few times. And, you know, I just I wanted her to have the opportunity to see some of what Shane had said and have a reaction or at least present her side of the story. Um, they felt like they didn't really see a, a, a point, um, but I mean, they didn't even watch it. So I, I don't know, but we definitely wanted to make sure that this didn't feel like it was one sided. And, and I had reached out to other people in the figure skating world. And I think there is either an unspoken or at mm. least a known thing among among them where I, I can tell that they're hesitant to put any more attention on this event. So and it's hard, you know. There's been so much done and um, they don't know Miley's story and Shane's story. So I understand how they feel like, you know, they don't want to continue sort of the attention to this, what they, what they feel like is a black eye on the sport. Um, I didn't reach out to Tanya. I feel like she's kind of said her piece and um, I don't know that she's taken full of full, fully the responsibility that she had. Um and the other side of it, too, is that Shane has fully accepted what he has done and has gone to jail and served his time. And he's very open to, to answering anything. There wasn't anything off limit. So um, but yes, I didn't want it to be feel like it was a, a movie that we made to make him look good. Uh, I wanted it to just show exactly who he was. Um, but also, Again, the tack is covered and it is sort of the one of the catalyzing events because it changed him into the person that was able to be a hero to his sister. But the real main story is um, their relationship and really just like trying to show that we are all more than one thing. Um, the Brian Stevenson quote, you know, each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. And he did something terrible, but he could also do something that um, really impacted someone in a really positive way as well. And I think trying to look at his life in its totality and not just one event is sort of, sort of the point. A lot of the story is about redemption. And I wanted to know through your director's journey, were there lessons that you learned through this, through this redemption story? Mm. Well, I mean, I mean, going into it, I wasn't sure if Shane was an asshole or <laughs> like a terrible person. And she had just sort of built up this image of, a hero because she needed that in her life because she didn't have anyone else. And that if we dug a little deeper, we, it would be a story about someone who had idolized somebody and created a, a false image of them. Um, so I, I, I honestly didn't know going in what to expect, but um, going through the process and getting to know Shane and spending time with him, like he truly is um, a different person. And, um, so that's something that was a really surprising to me because I, I didn't go in with any expectations as to who Shane was going to be. I also found it really inspiring how Shane was able to forgive his father 
for the abuse that he suffered, which was physical and emotional. And there was sexual abuse in the family as well. And his father never apologized and never took accountability for it. And Shane was able to go back and care for his dad when he was dying of cancer, never asked for an apology and forgave his father for himself. And so one of the things that surprised me also was that Shane, if Shane is able to forgive his father for the horrible things that his dad did to him, he's not asking the world to give him something that he's not able to give to other people. So if Shane can do that for his dad, I feel like he deserves a second chance from us. I mean, he did something terrible, but it was, he was young and he bruised someone's knee and he has served his time. So I think that was one of the really interesting aspects of symmetry in the story where um, he gives what, what, um, you know, I hope that the world will give him. That's a really beautiful point. Thank you for sharing that. And, And I'm also happy that you brought up, you know, you're not defined by the worst thing that you do in life. And um, I also found it interesting, uh, Miley's arc, because there are two kids who were raised with similar trauma and abusive mm-hmm. father who d- who dealt with it in completely different ways. Miley's being super optimistic to the point yeah. of it being unhealthy. So um, were you surprised to find that out about her, you know, having been her friend for all this time and all the things that came out about her as well? Yeah, I mean, she had shared a lot. When I met her, she was in the middle of her sunrise journey, what she called it. And she was, I think, a hundred sunrises in of committing to not missing a sunrise, no matter what she had going on. And she was living a very humble life and just, you know, um, so she had already made that change in her life. But yeah, I mean, I think hearing about and fully grasping, talking to her mom and seeing all her achievements prior to making that shift was was really interesting. Um, but yeah, I, you know, one of the things as I dug deeper, there is, uh, both of their stories parallel each other in some ways, just 20 years apart. They both make a choice at a really young age to protect themselves. They make different choices. Shane's like, I'm going to be the biggest motherfucker, you know, <laughs> in town. So no one will, I, I feel like I can say that cause we're yes. a bitch talk, but yes. <laughs> please, please do let it fly. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, and so nobody will fuck with me because I'm now scarier than anybody else because I don't want to be a victim anymore. And Miley makes a decision as a little kid. She's like, I realized I can control my reaction to pain. And if I become the most perfect, highest achieving person, I will ensure that I will never be like my family. And then both of them at some point, which is miraculous given their background, realized that you know, they can make a choice to live a life that's more true to who they are and not live a life that is uh, a reflection of the childhood that they went through. And for Shane, it was going to prison. And for Miley, she just came to a point and she just left her life and realized I'm not happy and, and went to New Zealand and had a moment of um, deep reflection, which then brought her to the point to learning about Shane's past. And so when I met her, she said, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to research this book. I want to write about my brother um, because yes, I've grown up knowing about this, but I've never talked to him about it because I wasn't ready for my hero to come off the pedestal because I needed him to be that perfect person. But, you know, she's like, now I'm ready to like um, love and accept my brother for who he is, his whole self, his past and who he is now. Um, so I, I found it really beautiful seeing sort of the parallel of their, their, their lives. And it is, Really impressive because I know a lot of people go through 
similar things and aren't able to to come back from it. So, you know, I think we all hope in making this that it can give hope to people that have either made a mistake and feel like they can't um, ever redeem themselves or feel like um, because of the things that they've been through that they can't turn back to being a little bit more true to who they are. Michelle Kwan was my hero. I'm so glad she participated in this film. Everybody used to tell me I look like her, which was kind of offensive because we don't all look alike, even though I did look like her. But it was also Filipina. Anyway. Yeah, but it was yeah. also a compliment because talk about heroes anyway. So how did you get her on board? And I was so happy to hear from her. I mean, she's a friend of mine and and she is worthy of being a hero for who she is and everything she's done, not just in figure skating, but she's just a wonderful human. And um, I'm so grateful because I do realize the stigma attached to, um, like I said, figure skaters in or in that community you know, talking about this, but I think she, a, she realized sort of what the story was and it wasn't just to exploit the attack, but to actually bring some humanity to it. So yeah, I'm really grateful to have her name on it and to have her interview because she was fucking right there when it happened, which is crazy. So crazy. And, and she young, was so, so young. young. Yeah. Yes. yeah. She was a baby Michelle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, your friends, we're going to be reaching out to you, Justin. We yeah. need some Michelle yeah. Kwan on bitch talk. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> One of the reasons we love doing bitch talk is just finding new people and finding out new things. And, you know, yeah. at the end of the film, I was like, damn, this guy is also writing all the music for the entire <laughs> documentary. And then I go down the rabbit hole of who you are, like your other life. Can you yeah. talk about being a badass musician? And, you know, what? Are, <laughs> so what are you now? Like, are you a musician and a documentarian or documentarian musician? Like, what does it I look mean, like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in Hawaii doing um, island music and Hawaiian music. And, and then I uh, moved to L.A. and I've, I've been playing music. That's been my career my whole life. Um, and scoring the film was really just born out of uh, lack of money. <laughs> but <laughs> so but it was fun. Like once I I'd never done it before, like everything in this movie, I had not done it, done any of it before. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess they seem similar in that it's storytelling at its core. There was a, a long stretch where I didn't, I don't, didn't think I would maybe ever do another documentary because the process was, <laughs> you know, five years long and it seemed never ending. And I edited it too. And, um, because I scored it and then I had to find distribution and then get insurance. And there's like <laughs> a never ending amount of hoops to jump through or like, I kind of already know how to make a record and it's just so much easier. Uh, but <laughs> now that it's out and it's, um, I, I definitely feel like, um, again, I'm, I don't, I don't know that I'm seeking out something, but if a story comes my way, um, I'm open to doing another, another project. So I don't know how to define myself. I like creating things and telling mm -hmm. stories. And so I would say that's sort of like the umbrella <laughs> well, it sounds like you're already on the right track and, and like this film was serendipitous. Your next project will be, I have no doubt. And you're definitely going to be on our radar now. We're celebrating AAPI Heritage Month and we just love putting these stories on the map. <laughs> so, so thank you so much, Justin, for your work. We really love this film and uh, we hope everybody goes out to see my hero, the hitman. We've been talking to director Justin Young. Take care. Thank you, guys. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. 
My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. 